0: Um, So we've been in a series this summer from the book of Galatians, and the Apostle Paul's writing to churches that he started, and he's basically telling them, listen, it's not about what you do, it's not about the list that you check, it's not about following this certain set of rules that get you close to God, it's about the fact that God already loves you and he's called you and he's chosen you in Christ, and you can just rest in that reality. And at the end of last week, Pastor Chris ended with a a scripture out of Galatians chapter six, verse two. And that's what I want to kind of expound on a little bit more today. It says this, bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So as I said, I grew up Pentecostal, so we were the foot stomping, hand clapping, high five, 10 people and scream hallelujah kind of church, right? Anybody else Pentecostal, grew up Pentecostal in the room? One person. I feel you. She'll know what I'm talking In fact, she might say amen while I preach. I'll take it. You can bring it. No. <laughs> so one of the things typical you find in a Pentecostal church is something called the testimony service. Anybody sat through any of those? So what it is, is usually the pastor picks a few people or he just says, hey, you know, whoever wants to come up, just bring a word, just testify, just say something about what God's been doing or what you need God to do. And inevitably, there'd be like the the mainstay people, like that one sister who always had a testimony, whenever it was called, you'd have Sister Sally come up and she'd talk about how. You, you you've been there. Okay. So Sister Sally would talk about, you know, she was struggling with this, but God brought her through. And then Brother Bob would get up there and then that deep baritone voice talk about how he had a job and he lost his job and the bill was getting ready to come due. And just at the last minute, he got a new job and everybody would cheer and clap and it would be exciting. And so you'd have these beautiful testimonies of healing and grace and cool stories. And then you'd have incredibly awkward stories. You'd have people get up and like, seriously, I remember one lady in particular, she never got through a testimony because she always just cried. It was like for whatever reason, whenever the microphone got in her hands, like instant tears. It was like a Pavlovian response. She would just bawl her eyes out. But the, the one testimony that takes the cake, the testimony that stands out in my mind, this guy by the name of Al, big guy about my height, Heavy set guy, and he wore. I can picture what he's wearing this one Sunday. He came up to the microphone with a wool blazer, a heavy wool blazer, and swishy athletic pants. Right? So he's like swishing up. And he gets up to the microphone. Big guy, deep voice. And everybody's just kind of, this is new. He hasn't testified before, so let's tune in. And he grabs the mic and he says, as, as you all know, I work down at the Kinko's over here. Nobody knew that, but okay. Yeah, he works down at the Kinko's. And he said, and I work with a lot of beautiful women. Uh-oh, right? He said, and you know what goes through my mind. And that, like at that point, yes, that face is exactly, like if there were a record playing, the record would have skipped. There were moms grabbing ears of their children. Right. There were like nervous husbands like, oh, no, nothing. No. And ev- like the moment just stopped and we all waited for him to expound on what was going through his mind. And by the grace of God, he did not do that. Right? <laughs> he did not tell us what was going through his mind. But he just simply said this. You pray for me. You pray for me and you, you, you know, you be there for me and pray for me. And that awkward moment. Yes, give me that hands up, please. <laughs> so that awkward moment gave way. And everybody, like, everybody kind of breathed out. Parents who were getting ready to get their kids out of the room, like, settled down. Everybody was cool. They relaxed. And I remember immediately after the service, me and my friends just laughed about that uncontrollably. And every time you ever get into a conversation where people are telling old, awkward stories... And you'd be like, that, that might be awkward, but I got something that beats that. The Al story was my trump card every awkward conversation. Oh, that happened, well, guess what? I was sitting in a church service where this guy did this, and you'd get laughs. But the truth of the matter is, as I sat there in that pew, and he said that, I knew exactly what was going through his mind. I did. And so something weird happened in that moment. It was like Al held up a mirror to me. And I wasn't ready for it. Like I I didn't have a category for what had happened. See, Al made a dangerous assumption. He assumed that when he got up in front of this group of people, that he was standing in a community that knew him and loved him and accepted him. He made this dangerous assumption that he wasn't just coming to a place of worship where we sing songs and somebody gets up and speaks, but that he was a part of a community of people who loved him. And... Unfortunately, I, I didn't reciprocate that assumption. Like I wasn't there. I judged him in that moment. But years later in reflection, I, I used to tell that story as an awkward comedy, but now I kind of tell it like a hero story. See, because Al did something brave that day in that assumption. And it came down to what community he thought he was a part of, right? So maybe the communities that we, think about workplace. Sometimes our workplace, the community is set around success. So it doesn't matter what's done, it doesn't matter what happens, the driving factor in that community is success. So people step on other people, people do dirty deals behind closed doors as long as it reaches the bottom line. It's a success. And so that's what the community is built around, so that's what people expect. Or think about anybody here in the room on Instagram? Man, I'm like, Okay, three people are on Instagram. <laughs> Bad illustration. Well, Instagram, do you guys have a cell You know what this is? This is a cell phone. <laughs> so the basis of this is it's a social network where people get on and post selfies and cute pictures of their kids. And it's all built around appearance. It's all like the. You took a hundred photos and then you scroll through and pick the best one and you put it up and people are like, You're just so natural. Like <laughs> you just You're just beautiful. And you filtered it the right way. One time I was scrolling through selfie after selfie and I just had enough. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I pulled out my phone, put on the camera and made a face like and took a picture and I put it on Instagram. And I tagged it, hashtag unflattering selfie, and I sent it. And then I challenged other people in my network to do the same thing. And sure enough, ugly picture after ugly picture started clogging my timeline. But there were a couple people who just responded to me, look, bro, I can't do this. Like I can't put a selfie like that of myself up there. So this community is built on appearances. Things look good. Like I put pictures of my kids on Instagram all the time. It's the picture right before one of them bites the other one, right? (laughs) It's not, it's never the snotty nose photo. It's always the cute, all the kids love each other photo, right, because that's what that community is built around. Some of us grew up around communities that were about us versus them. You're in the in group. This is the out group. We don't associate with them. We have the truth. We have it right. They have it wrong. Some of us grew up, unfortunately, in church environments like that. It was more about what we were against than what we're for, right? But if we're going to be a part of a Christian community, that's a community founded on Christ, then it would be a really good idea to follow the example of Christ. So I want to take us to the book of John. So the gospels at the start walk through the story of Jesus, the birth of Christ. But John takes a different approach. When he starts his gospel, it's a wide shot. He, he zooms way, way back on a cosmic level and talks about what God was doing in the world in the person of Christ. So John chapter one starts off this way. The word was first. The word present to God, God present to the word. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. The, the, that word means logos, and that is the reason of God, the logic of God. All of the nature and characteristic of God was first. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into existence without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't pull it out. If you skip to verse 14, it says this. The word, that logic, the reason, the the characteristic of God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I like that. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son, generous inside and out. So, the Christian community, this church is founded on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ isn't just this disembodied concept about how to be a really good person and how to go to a good place when you die instead of a bad place. When God wanted to show the world what God was like, God became a person and moved in to the neighborhood. Got into relationships with other people. Ate at the same table with people. Took a job. Moved in with others and fully embodied. We call that incarnation. He put flesh on. He became fully human. So I grew up With this idea that Jesus was trying to make me more like God. But what I'm convinced of is that Jesus came to show us how to be fully human. What it means to fully embody the human experience. Jesus came and modeled that for us. He showed that in the way he accepted others. He showed that in the relationships that he had with other people. And so he knew his audience. Some people he was incredibly gentle with. And some people he corrected. Some people he called out. But those different people came together and felt the same thing. Love. And the only way Jesus could do that is because he moved into the neighborhood. He got to know the people he was around. Irenaeus said this. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. If you want to see the glory of God on display, yes, we can see it in the mountainside. We can see it in the creation unfolding all around us in the beautiful scenic views. But if you want to see the glory of God on full display, it's in a human being that's fully alive. But to be fully alive is to be fully present. And sometimes we come to church, we gather with our faith community and we leave part of ourselves. We come with the things are good, sing-songy, praise God, how you doing brother and sister, and we leave a part of our humanity behind. And it's human nature. We don't do this on purpose. It's just natural to put your best foot forward. But if I only come with my partial self, and you only come with your partial self, and we all as a community only come with our partial selves, then none of us can be fully known. None of us can truly be fully loved because we're just putting out a part of ourselves. So the text that Pastor Chris walked through last week, Galatians 6, two, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. I think that's a good thing. Come along your brother and your sister and help them carry their burdens. But here's the thing about that Verse. You cannot bear my burdens unless I lay them bare. You you cannot bear my burdens unless I expose them to you. And that can't happen apart from community with one another. Another way to say it is this. You can't heal what you won't reveal. Nothing is going to change if I only bring part of myself and I leave that struggle, that internal conflict, that doubt, that fear, that shame. If I just shove that all down and just show up with my partial self, you can't bear my burdens and I can't bear your burdens either. We have to show up fully present, warts and all, fully accounted for. Anybody ever read uh, Shel Silverstein's Where the Sidewalk Ends? Come on. Okay, whew, this one worked. There's this poem he, he wrote called Masks. They're gonna put it up. It says, She had blue skin, and so did he. He kept it hid, and so did she. They searched for blue their whole life through, then passed right by and never knew. Sometimes I think we live like this. Right. We we feel like we have to project ourselves in a certain way to be accepted, to be loved. But you know what? This, the person who's staring back at you feels the same way. And what would happen if one of us was just brave enough to lower that mask a little bit? Two of the most healing words you'll ever hear in your life are me too. I need mean, to think about that. When you can be honest enough with somebody to share who you are, your life, your struggles, your fears, your doubts, and have somebody look back across you and say, yeah, I know what you mean. I've been there. I've felt that. That's a struggle for me too. But we'll never get there. We'll never be able to experience the fullness of that life if we don't lower our masks. You can't bear my burdens if I don't lay them bare for you to see. David Dark said this. Without the burden of belonging in some way to other people, we have no way of experiencing ourselves as gifts to others. I like the choice of wording there, without the burden of belonging. It's a burden, and that's why a lot of us don't do it. There's an investment, there's a sacrifice, there's a vulnerability that happens when we decide to walk with one another in community. Because I have to get to know you. Like, I have to step outside of myself and my comfort zone and burden myself with who you are. And and the trick is you have to do that on the other side, too. It has to be a reciprocal relationship. But if I'm not willing to step out like that, I cannot experience myself as a gift to other people. The only way I can really understand who I fully am as a person is around other people. Right? There's a reason people go crazy in solitary confinement. because I'm just alone by myself in a room and so I start to fold in on myself. I start to dry out, I start to shrivel up because to be fully human is to be in community with other human beings. I might think I'm patient. Anybody think you're patient? Until you get around that one person? (laughs) Like I am, I'm just, I am, I'm just a really laid back, chill person and then that one person comes up and all of that just falls apart. Like, I think I'm a pretty level-headed guy until you cut me off on 275. And then that Honda Civic becomes an F-150, and I'm going to, like, there's no way I can fully know myself if I'm not willing to get in the mess that is humanity, other people. And we follow a Christian community with a Savior who did just that. He didn't stay up on a throne and say, be like me, come up to me. He came down to us and showed us what it means to be fully human. And that is to share this experience with other people. Al got naked that day. He was up there in a wool blazer and swishy pants, but he might as well have been naked. And I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have a category for it. But I I, I can tell you this much. If I could go back. If I could rewind the tape of that day, because I have played it over and over in my head, I would probably, after the service, walk up to him and say, you know what, man? Me too. I feel you. I see you. I know what you're talking about. Me too. So the thing about community, and what I'm trying to say is, we have to get outside of ourselves a little bit and open ourselves up to other people. And the caveat to that is this. Sometimes we're gonna get burned. Al stepped out that day and he was brave enough to share who he is and I judged him in that moment. But years later, after a thousand retellings, now I look at that moment as a moment of bravery. I look at that moment as heroic. So I'm not gonna say that if you step out and try to live your life out in the open, that there's not gonna be a price to pay. But let let me ask you this, if you lose, a friend by trying to be fully present in your life? Did you have that friend to begin with? Or were they friends with their projection of who you were? Were they friends with the mask that you had on in that moment? I would rather surround myself with people who see me fully present and fully alive and say, I love you. Just like Christ, I accept you. And I think that's what Orchard Grove is. I think that's what Orchard Grove can be. I see a community of people from different walks of life, from different areas, different seasons. But we can come together into the person of Christ and accept one another. And what would the societal perception be of the church if they could get around a community like that? We don't line up on all things like we don't see eye to eye on everything, but we are coming together in the commonality of Jesus Christ acceptance. And we are extending that acceptance to one another. I don't have to understand your struggle to help you bear the burdens. You know, one of the things that we also experienced in my church growing up is we'd have prayer requests And so somebody would read off written prayer requests in the church would pray, or occasionally they'd say, hey, raise your hand if you had a prayer request. And inevitably, we'd always have this thing called the unspoken. Like, oh, you know, can you pray for uh, my sister? She's in the hospital this week. And then you'd pick the person over here, and they'd say, yes, special unspoken. And I get that. Like, I understand the need and understand that some things we just want to keep personal. But I can't really pray for your need if I don't know what it is. And I might even have the capacity to meet your need if I only knew what it was. In the book of James, the brother of Jesus writes to the churches of Jerusalem. He says this, if you see somebody who's hungry and you just walk up to them and say, be blessed and I hope your belly can be filled and then pat them on the back and walk away, you haven't done anything. But if I see that you're hungry and I meet that need with food, I have embodied the work of Jesus Christ. And my faith is fully alive. I think there's an opportunity with us in the Christian community to be that way for one another, to stand that way for one another. So the question is, where do we start? Like, how do we put this into practice, Anthony? I, you know, I kind of agree with your concepts, but how do we actually live this out in the everyday life? And so, I I thought the best way to do this was I'm gonna, at random, just call a couple people up this morning, and I'm gonna. (laughs) I'm not doing that, but you should have seen her face. (laughs) The abject terror that was in her eye. Her mouth literally fell open. I think it slapped in the kneecap and bounced back up. (laughs) I'm not going to have anybody come up this morning. But I I think there's some practical ways that we can start to try to live this experience. And I think it will be beneficial to us all. The first thing is this, like, be the friend that you need. Be the brother or sister in Christ that you need. If you're longing for acceptance, like, if there's a part of you that deeply needs the love and acceptance of other people, why don't you sign up to be that for someone else? If you want a listening ear, why don't you start to practice closing this more and opening this more? Why don't you be the community you want to be a part of, right? Why don't you be the experience that you want to have? The feeling that you want from other people, why don't you extend that to others? And I think the most practical way that I know to do that is with the table. I think the table is... One of the most sacred places. It's a holy place. I'm talking about your kitchen table. I'm talking about your coffee table. I'm talking about a restaurant table. Something magical happens when we get around a table with somebody else. Maybe not the Thanksgiving table. That can, be, that can be tested, right? It can be fights around the Thanksgiving table. But every other table, I think, is a sacred holy space. Because for some reason, people open up. For some reason, people put their guards down when we share coffee, when we share a meal. There's common ground that is had there. And I think if we open our lives up to doing more of that, I think we would fully embody this community that I'm talking about. And so one of the ways I think that we can start to do this is, I, listen, I just, I'm gonna lay down on the sword for this one. I'm gonna take the fall. Uh, What I want to recommend you do is just maybe look around you. Somebody you might have shaken their hands a hundred times at OG. Maybe you can go to them and, hey, you want to go to lunch? And maybe they'll say, no, that's the vulnerable part. You just say, oh, okay. I didn't mean, like, together. I just mean, are you going to lunch? (laughs) After church, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, but (laughs) I want to open this up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to volunteer. If you want to ask somebody after lunch after church for lunch, I'm going to invite. I'm going to volunteer my family. All right, you can take all five of us to lunch. Um, I'm just going to do that. I'm willing to sack because I believe this so much. I'm willing to just say my family's yours. You can take us to lunch. All right, Um, we don't do fast food. Be honest with you, and don't chintz out. Take us to a reasonable place. Like let's. Cheesecake Factory is not far from here. I mean, we can, because I want to get to know you. Like I want to get in your life. No, but seriously, small practical steps, small little, like you're not gonna rip the mask off in one day, but you can slowly, day by day, begin to lower those defenses, begin to show up who I really am. I have doubts. I have fears. I don't have it all together. But when we join with one another in agreement and say, yeah, I'm there too. Me too. Like there are people in this room who have been divorced. There are people in this room who might be going through a divorce. And there are people in this room who are in the best place they could ever imagine being in their marriage. And all of us belong here. And all of us have something to learn from one another. And I'm not suggesting that like, we take this to a radical place. Like, okay, I, I get what he's saying. Like just, I need to show up and I need to be who I am. So I'm gonna join the greeter team. And next week when people come in, I'm gonna say, can I just tell you about my problems? Like at the door, <laughs> welcome to Orchard Grove. I struggle with it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying slow baby steps. Open your table, buy a cup of coffee. Decide to show up. And I think amazing things are going to happen in your life. Can we stand this morning? Bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's not easy. It's not always pretty. And sometimes it's going to be messy. And and let me just say this, too. You're not a counselor. Let's not try to be each other's counselors and therapists. Let's just be people of listening ears and open hearts, trying to live and embody the work of Jesus Christ who came to show us how to be fully human. I'm going to read something this morning in closing, and I would love for you to read along with me, if you would, just as a way to stand in solidarity this morning as we leave. This is our prayer today. Read it with me. Ready? May we learn to listen to each other and in so doing, hear the stories of God. May we learn to share our journeys and in so doing, remember that we are not alone. May we continue to reflect on where we've been and how far we've come and in so doing, encounter the faithfulness of God. And may we together align the rhythms of our lives to the unforced rhythms of God's grace. Amen. Thank you so much.